Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurch.com. Well, we are in uh, the fourth part. We're right in the middle of this series um, that we've called Three Ring Circus. And the, the truth is we're in this because, because life can get as crazy, absolutely crazy, as a three ring circus. We see it all the time. Everything is just wild. It feels like we're, we're juggling everything, that, that nothing is quite where, what it should be, and we're, we're chasing our own tails. And, and we see that in the middle of this, we, we crave for this place of peace in real life. And we keep coming back to John 10.10. 10. And this has been our, our launch place throughout this series. And here Jesus says that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus says there's these, these, these forces at work. There is the enemy, there's the thief, there's the deceiver, there's whatever different label gets put on him, there is one. Now, a lot of times we can try to, to try to tune that out. And I, I have been a part of a moment in my life where it felt like, you know, that everything, that there was like a, a, a demon under every rock, man, that you had to bind this, you know, the stronghold, you know, that I had to, to you know, to break off the spirit of slumber to get out of bed in the morning and, and do all of these different things and recognize some of this is just my own, my own self. Sometimes I just got to deal with me. But... There is a place where there is a place of spiritual warfare. It exists. And it's happening. It's happening all around you. It's happening in your life and, and it, it, with the relationships you care about. And if we're not aware of it, if we're not conscious about it, then we won't exercise the authority we have. See, we're not victims of spiritual warfare. We are victors of a spiritually won battle by Jesus. We're victors, but if we're not aware that the victory has been won and that there is a defeated foe who is still trying to pull some some last-minute, last-ditch stuff off. He's defeated. He's dealt with. Jesus has won it. We don't have to try to win it again. Jesus has done it. But if we're not aware that the enemy is at work, then we can fall victim needlessly. We can fall victim needlessly. And so we have to be conscious of this. In the bulk of this series, we're talking about Jesus coming and giving us abundant life, and that is what it's about. We need to be life-focused. We need to have life on our brain. We need to be looking for fresh life. We need to be looking for the promises of God coming to fulfillment in our lives. We don't need to be looking for pain. We don't need to be looking for the enemy at work, but at the times, we have to be aware of what is going on. And so here in the middle of this series, then we're going to go ahead and deal with the front part of John 10.10, that the thief comes to steal and kill and to destroy. And living in an awareness that Jesus comes that we have life and have it more abundantly doesn't mean we, he's got, he gets to kill and he gets to steal and he gets to destroy. That's just what he comes to do. That doesn't mean he's going to win at it. It's just that's his agenda. And if we don't recognize his agenda, then we can't enforce the victory that's already won and thwart the killing, thwart the stealing, thwart the destroying. And so with this understanding, we have to first and foremost understand that the enemy, he roams around as a roaring lion. 
Scripture says that it roams around as a roaring lion. And that's why in this series we've called this Taming the Lion. Because in the middle of this thing, there is this, this roaring beast. But he, roared, he goes around like he's one. As if he's got authority. As if he's the one in charge. As if he goes around as a roaring lion. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like or as a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Looking to steal, kill, and to destroy. And if he can convince us to go his path, then guess what? Stealing, killing, and destroying takes place. But he goes around looking for someone to devour. That is what the scriptures remind us of. That we, can't, we don't need to be ignorant on this front. John 8, chapter, uh, John 8, verse 44 says, He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So here we are, we've got a, this guy that goes around as a roaring lion. So he's open in his mouth. That's what we know about the enemy. He opens his mouth. His roars come out. But we see that his native language is lies. Lies, lies, lies. If he can get us to buy into the lie, we begin to build our lives based on a lie. And all of a sudden, the, the outcome off of that foundation is death and destruction. That is what he's trying to get us to do, is to buy into it. That's why Jesus is referred to as the truth. He's the truth. He's the truth. The truth silence the lies. And when we understand who the real lion is, we don't have to bow down to the fake lion impersonator that exists. Over in Kids Church right now, we've got our very own lion impersonator. And so uh, Anthony Lahone is over there with Kids Church, and they're dealing with the same subject matter we are. And uh, he's got a lion suit on, and they're doing a little demonstration over there to help them understand about, so they understand the same principles, so that our children can walk aware that Jesus has brought them the victory just like he's brought us the victory. Don't you wish you'd got rid of the lies when you were a kid? How many of you wish you got rid of a bunch of the lies of the devil when you were a kid? You know what? Let's just pray for the kids right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that right now, that, that right now at this moment, those kids are being set free from any of the lies that the enemy's tried to put on them, the lies that they're not enough, the lies that they don't measure up, the lies that, that, they're, <clears throat> that, that they uh, are failures and not wanted, or any of the different things, Heavenly Father. Right now, we, we speak truth over them, Lord. We think, that, Lord, that they are wanted, that they are loved, that they are your, your special possession, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, that your truth comes in, Lord, and breaks off any little lies that try to get their foothold in our children right now in Jesus' name. Amen. That is what we want for you, and that is what we want for us. When we recognize the real line, here, Revelation 5, 5 says, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Don't be so sad. Don't be so freaked out. There's something at work here. You don't have to sit in the corner and be sad and, and full of anxiety and frustration. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
See, there is a real lion. Yeah, there's one going around trying to impersonate a lion, but there is a real lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. I love it that it says it has triumphed. Not will triumph. Now we're in the middle of a struggle and hoping, man, this thing works out. No, it's already done. The lion, our lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, has already won. He's triumphed and he's the one who's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. This is talking about Jesus, that Jesus is the one who has triumphed. And so we see that there is a tension between a defeated foe and, a, and the real lion of the tribe of Judah who has triumphed, who has triumphed. So and when we are dealing with this, when we are operating in this, we have to understand some things. First off, we want to stay aware. We just got to stay aware. So many times we can get lulled into these different places of, of, of complacency. If you go out onto a job site, maybe you're dealing with some guys doing some carpentry and, and, and you go out onto a, to where they're doing a, a lot of, they're building houses and whatnot. Um, there are, there, all of them will tell you there are, there are two guys um, who cut their finger with a saw. There's the new guy who doesn't know what he's doing and he doesn't know proper protocols and he's running the saw and he chops the end of his finger off with the saw. Then there's the guy who's been doing it for 25 years who knows how to run the saw who's never cut his finger and who can do it in his sleep and he gets lax and he chops off his finger with a saw. Those are the two guys on the job sites that do that. There's a place where you begin to just kind of get unaware and you begin to get lax. Maybe there's an unaware because of ignorance and then there's another place of not operating in awareness because of being lax. Right now we're going to deal with and put to, get, put to end for us in this room the place of ignorance. We're going to, be in, we're going to know, but the, only the one that can walk out the place of walking in purposeful awareness on the other side of this is us as individuals. It's you. And so let's look at this in 2 Corinthians 2.11. It says, In order that Satan may not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. He's a schemer! He's got schemes. He's got plans. And we're like, we don't want the enemy to outwit us. We don't want him to, to have his plans and to bring those to fruition. He wants to sneak in and slide in and, and wreak his havoc. My dad told me a story about him being out on a, out on a job site. My dad uh, was, worked out in the oil field for a long time. And he worked with the oil field automation, all the computers and the stuff that made it talk. And, and so he would on a regular basis, would have to go and check something or reset something or do something. And so he knew out in West Texas, you know, there are snakes, and my dad does not like snakes. I made the mistake of putting a stuffed snake in their bed one time. That was a bad idea. And so a taxidermied rattlesnake. I'm lucky to be alive today. And so, uh, uh, but he does not like snakes. And so, and he knew you shut the door. You get out of the truck, you shut the door. You don't leave it open. Well, one time, he had done it a kajillion times. He's the 25-year carpenter. And he runs to just go over here and reset something and do something real quick and leaves the driver door open on his pickup. Thankfully, praise God, 
noticed some movement out of the corner of his eye and saw the last 12 to 6 inches of a bull snake going up inside his truck. Praise God that he saw the last 6 to 12 inches. Otherwise, he'd have jumped into the truck with a bull snake in the truck, driven down the road at some point in time, and at some point that snake is going to stick its head out. And um, from down low, and I just, I, it's just, it's, it's, I know I'm a terrible son, but it was comical to me to think about <laughs> what was going to go down if that snake stuck its head out. My dad's feet were going to come up in the seat. He was not going to be able to hit the accelerator or the brake. It was, he was just going to be stuck cruising down the road with a snake. And so, and, and, but if that would have happened, the truth is, is that, that snake it, it could have wrecked everything. A perfectly wonderful good day at work and wrecked everything. And the truth was is that snake would have not ever got in had there not been an open door. And the enemy looks for an open door. In fact, when Jesus was tempted by, this, by Satan and he, re- and he rejects him with the word of God, if you're going to deal with the enemy, you need to know what's already been written and already been said. It's enough to deal with any situation. And so he used the word of God. And guess what? It says the enemy left him until an opportune time. Until an opportune time, until an open door, an open opportunity. So here we are. We don't want to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. We see that he tries to use an open door to get in. Let's look at the verse before and see if we can find out maybe what might be an open door to the enemy. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 2. Now let's look at verse 10. Paul writes, says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there's anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We all want to push back on the enemy's schemes. But there's one number one scheme the enemy wants to use to wreak havoc in your life, and that is unforgiveness. That is unforgiveness. You're like, Pastor, seriously, unforgiveness? Why do we got to go there? Because the enemy is trying to sneak in and wreck your world through unforgiveness. See, we have, what we have to remember is that, yes, that maybe you were, maybe you were actually wronged. And they were guilty as guilty can be. That they're absolutely, absolutely wrong. But you know what? If you harbor unforgiveness, if you harbor unforgiveness, even if they were completely wrong, and they never apologized, they never did anything, you have left an open door to the enemy to wreak havoc in your life. What is so sad is, is now there's two wrongs. One they did to you and one you're doing to you. The unforgiveness is what you're doing to yourself. You know, so no, they did it to me. No, your refusal to let go is your own decision. No one can make the decision to forgive but you. Nobody can. And you have to be willing to do that. For there to be any healing, for there to be any restoration, for there to be any place where the lifeblood of God can flow in your life, you have to be willing to forgive. Folks, you've all seen it on your Facebook feed this week. This message was already planned and prepped. Before that absolutely amazing act of forgiveness was acted out by Brent Jean. For those of y'all who have not following it, his brother Botham Jean was, was 
<clears throat> was killed in his own apartment there in Dallas by a, a former police officer and was found guilty. The, the, the lady was found guilty of murder of Botham Jean. The sentence was handed down, and Botham's brother, Brant, 18-year-old Brant. 18-year-old Brant. Walking in a place of maturity and wisdom and grace. That's caught the world's attention. And when the sentencing was done and all of that, he asked permission to be able to go over to the convicted murderers, <clears throat> um, convicted murderer, and go over and be able to address her. And in that address, people think that he was ready to spew venom, that he was ready to spew hatred, that he was ready to spew his disgust with the lenient penalty that was handed down. That there was a lot of different issues hanging around all of this. All sorts of messy issues. And one young man's love for God and love for his brother and respect for his brother's walk with God walked over to his brother's murderer and said that I want to hug you. And gave a hug and said that he wanted forgiveness and that his brother would have wanted her to come to Christ. Said, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. What an amazing act of grace. What an amazing act. Lord, if I could be that in that moment, I, I don't know that I could. I don't know that in that moment I could do it. Maybe with some years and some work of the Holy Spirit and some good friends in my life get to a place I could do that. But in that moment in the courtroom, oh my gosh, what a beautiful act of grace. And you know who got set free that day? Brant. Brant got set free that day. Brant is not going to let the enemy come in and create a place of anger and bitterness or anything in that. You know who followed suit? The judge gets up and gives that lady her own personal Bible and tells her to come to Jesus. And you know what? She's risking her career and she's risking her advancement. She put a lot of stuff on the line. But you know what led? Was an 18-year-old wounded, hurting man. That is what led in choosing to forgive. That, folks, this is what happens. We can't be ignorant. We think we're mad at the jerk, but there's a jerk behind the jerk. And that jerk is the enemy. And guess what? The front jerk, Jesus died for the front jerk and defeated the back jerk. And if we don't forgive it, we're going to sit there and we're going to have issues with the front jerk and get beat up by the back jerk. We have to understand what's going on. We, forgiveness is vital. We have to embrace this. The next thing we have to do is, we've, we, so we, not only do we have to stay aware of his devices, we've got to stay alert. Luke 4, verse 12 says, Jesus answered. It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He stayed alert. Jesus stayed alert. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, <clears throat> the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stay alert. We stay aware 
and we stay alert. We don't have to be on edge. We don't have to, to get up, check in the closet for the devil. We don't have to run around having the devil on our brain all our time. We just have to be aware. We go around with Jesus on our brain all the time. We go around with victory on our brain all the time. We go around with his strength on our mind all the time. But we are aware that there is an enemy to our souls. And, and in this, we need to also stay humble. We need to stay humble. Micah 6.8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. To walk humbly. To be able to make this journey of life. To go on the journey that we talked about last week. That this thing is a journey. To, on this journey to, for us to walk with God, we have to stay in a place of humility. And that is simply resting on Him. That is simply trusting Him. Recognizing that we need Him desperately every day. Just like the first day you responded to the grace of God, you need Him that desperately every day. We need Him that desperately every day. Not just in that moment where we felt like we were at the, at the bottom. Guess what? We move forward. We move forward. Taking steps with Him. And we have to do that humbly. James 1.21 says, and I love the way the message translation puts this. It says, so throw all spoiled virtue. Spoiled virtue is us trying to be good all by ourselves. It's spoiled. It's worthless. Chunk it aside. Throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. What a beautiful imagery this is that as God is speaking into us and revealing to us and dropping scriptures in our heart he is he is bringing the salvation landscape into our lives and so guess what we get up every day go into the scriptures go into our time with God humbly saying God I still need you I still desperately desperately need you a powerful lesson in humility comes from a man who is not known for his humility. A man by, who's originally known by Cassius Clay. Most of us know him as his name, Muhammad Ali. I uh, was an uh, amazing boxer, probably one of the best heavyweights of all time. And in 1974, he had, uh, was pursuing his second t time to own, the, to own the, the heavyweight title belt. He had been in prison and he had got out and was, was coming back. George Foreman, big, heavy-handed, crush you. George Foreman was the heavyweight champ. George Foreman had his two previous fights before the Rumble in the Jungle in 1974. He had knocked out two people who had beat Muhammad Ali by decision. And George Foreman pummeled, just knocked him out. Most of George Foreman's fights didn't go past the third round. And so here Ali has got to face him. And Ali, who's the guy who probably invented trash talk, he at least invented it trash talk on national TV in interviews and whatnot. The man who is synonymous with pride and arrogance and talk about how pretty he is and um, had a point of humility 
that he recognized if he got in the ring with George Foreman and went toe-to-toe with George Foreman, George Foreman was going to knock him out. And in his prep, he recognized, I cannot beat this guy in a regular fight. I can't do it. So him and his trainer began to realize that George Foreman could not go the distance. He had not gone past three rounds. He did not have the stamina, and George Foreman needed to be wore out. And so they develop, and he's given, he's given credit for developing a, a strategy called rope-a-dope, where he leaned upon those rings, those ropes, and took those body shots as George Foreman wore himself out. And yes, he's getting hit, but those ropes are absorbing a ton of it. And he's just letting himself just go for it, buddy. And he just let George Foreman wear him out. And he leaned on another strength to be able to find the victory he needed. And guess what? Into the eighth round, where that was not George Foreman's territory, Ali lands a punch. Foreman goes down, doesn't make the count. Ali is the champ again. And we see... That his humility put him in a place where his strategy changed. And he leaned on a strength that was not his own. Folks, you and I, when we decide that we're going to get out of bed and we've got the tiger by the tail and we're going to get it, that's when we get whooped up by the devil. But when we say, you know, guess what, Jesus, I need you today and I'm going to lean on you. All right, I'm going to lean on you. I'm leaning on you all day. Anything the enemy throws at me, it's being passed to Jesus. Get passed to Jesus. Get passed to Jesus. And let his victory be your victory. That's how we do this. We don't have to be ready to go toe-to-toe with him. We just have to lean on Jesus. That's how we walk in victory with the enemy. We don't, we're not blind to the fact that he exists. We're not afraid of him. He's defeated. But we lean on Jesus. And then the last thing we see is that we want to stay honest. We've got to stay honest. Truth, people, truth requires honesty. Just like honesty requires the truth. We're going to have to, if we're going to get the benefit of the truth, we're going to have to be honest people. We try to create an environment. We try. We all still deal with our facades, and it still happens here, but we, we try. We try to lean on who Jesus is and create a place where we can be honest with one another, where we don't have to put on church clothes, where we don't have to do these different things and be somebody we're not to come to church. But folks, there's still a place where it's so easy for us to, to put on the mask and to put on things, and we isolate ourselves from the strength that is available to us in Christ if we're not honest. First John 1, 9 through 10 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word has no place in our lives. His word has no place in our lives. We have to be willing to be open and honest. Honest about our struggles. Honest about what's going on. That's the beauty of our small groups. Is there's a place where you can connect with people and be honest about what's going on. Honest about your questions. Honest about pursuing answers. This is what it's required. Nobody that I know that has any real relationship with God has ever done it alone. Ever. They always are surrounded by a solid group of people. And man, I tell you what, there's no way in the world 
that I would be able to, to be a minister and to be able to, to do what I do with, unless I had the people around me that I have around me. There's just no way. There is just no way. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's a place where restoration takes place in our lives, physically, in our physical bodies. In so many areas when we're willing to connect and to pray for one another. Folks, today our bottom line is God's truth silences the lies of the enemy. His truth silences it. So we want to just stay aware, stay alert, stay humble, stay honest as we move forward. Because Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. I want to go ahead and create a quiet moment here. And if, if you've been on the outside, if you've been, been wondering about this whole thing with, with God and, and you just weren't ready to do this, you weren't ready to have to put on the mask and, and, and be a fake Christian and act like you're perfect and everything's okay, well, guess what? That pressure isn't here. But today you recognize that this isn't about you doing something great for God. This is about receiving something God did great for you. That is about receiving that God was in Christ reconciling you to himself. He's done the work. You get the benefit of it. And you just simply believe. Believe that Jesus' death covers your death. That his, his death and resurrection cover your sin and shame. And that in him you have 100% forgiveness. Not based on what you've done, but based on what he has done. And if you're here this morning, you want to place your faith in that, have a relationship with God based on that, I want you to just lift your hand and we want to pray with you. Awesome. Praise God. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Believers, lift your voice with these and we're going to pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus, that Jesus' death covers my death, that Jesus' life gives me life. And today I am your child. You are my father. My sins are forgiven. Heaven is my home because what Jesus did and what Jesus did alone. I give you permission to change me from the inside out. And in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.